Welcome to an incomplete guide to world domination, a podcast by creators for creators, because together we can take over the world. I'm your host, Brianna Toiber. Well, first off, how's your day been? My day's actually been pretty good. I was able to catch up with some old friends and hash out some ideas to kind of reinvigorate an old project. So I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to the back half of the year when hopefully that actually comes to fruition. Oh, that sounds very exciting. I I look forward to seeing what that is. Also, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a, a little bit about what you do? Sure. My name is John Hambone McGuire. I am a podcast producer. I am a musician and uh, an all-around jack-of-all-trades and master of none. Eh, nothing wrong with that. I'm most of those things, except for I'm not a musician. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, the bug for that caught me early when I was very young. I mean, I was probably... 13 when I picked up my first guitar and maybe 15 when I actually started learning how to play it. So, you know, it's it's been in the blood for a very, very long time. Yeah, I can imagine. I always wanted to learn how to play guitar and I have one. I just, life keeps getting in the way. So it's not something I've, well, I took lessons for like three weeks and then school started and I couldn't go to any of the times he could do. So that didn't last long. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Usually, usually. So what are some of the other things that you've been, aside from a musician? So when you are an artist, you always end up being an and. So I was a musician and a bartender. I was a musician and a waiter. I was a musician and a food delivery guy. So throughout my life, I've always kind of had a side hustle. Last eight years or so, I was working in corporate and kind of doing a different kind of hustle where I'd oversee a small team of about, you know, 10 people directly, 40 people indirectly, and I would teach them how to be better salespeople. Hmm. That's actually kind of cool. It really was. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, God, I want to get into traveling sales. And then here I was. (laughs) Life tends to take you interesting places when you're least expecting it. Certainly does. When did you start getting into podcasting? So about three years back, my friend George Coroneos, who is the co-host of My Thai Happy Hour, literally grabbed me one day and says, we're starting a podcast, you're going to be my co-host, and I said, okay. You know, he knew... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he knew I would just go with it because I'm always looking for something exciting and creative to do. And, you know, at the time, my musical career had kind of wound down a little bit and I was looking for something to get into that would necessarily keep me out of trouble. And he was like, we're doing this. And so we did it. And now I think we've done 145 episodes since of a weekly podcast. The show is called My Thai Happy Hour. It's pop culture for weirdos, wherever podcasts are found. And I love it. I love it because it just gives me a chance to kind of rant off the top of my head about the things that I've been watching, reading, or listening to. Popular culture for weirdos. I really like that. Yeah, you can't steal it. It's ours. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to steal that, but you might have just sold me on your show. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. I mean, we are very much into the tiki culture and kind of retro culture and punk rock and pro wrestling and movies in general so it's something that you know whatever's happening and whatever's now in pop culture we're always generally talking about it you know it changes up every week so it's not really an evergreen type show 
you know, if you're going to start listening to it, I recommend going and just starting with the latest episode or, you know, whatever episode it is around the time you're going to start listening to it because that is the most current thing that we're talking about. Yeah, and punk rock, was that similar to the genre of music that you played when you were a musician or did you do a variety? You know, I mostly played punk rock. I definitely had moments where I would dabble into different things. I mean, the the most recognizable band I think I've ever been in was a band called Pensy Prep. And that was more emo. Uh, Then I joined a pirate punk rock band called Brian and Bastards, where we actually got dressed up like pirates. And we sang punk rock sea shanties. Currently, I play in a band called Secret Country, which is a bunch of you know, people my age playing outlaw country real fast. So, you know, I, I've had a varied varied career playing with different bands and different projects. I think I even played like a goth project once. It's kind of hard to go back that far. That's amazing. I just like listening to some of those. I'm like, I don't know if I've ever listened to them, but especially the Sea Shanties one. I'm like, you, you have my attention there because that's not something I thought I would hear. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and it's not something I think many people who showed up to the clubs were expecting, but, you know, here was a bunch of dudes in our late 20s, early 30s, wearing full pirate regalia, and, uh, you know, when you you roll up to the the local scummy punk rock club, you know, you expect mohawks, you expect liberty spikes, you expect a certain look, and not, you know, dudes who look like they could have been extras in Amadeus. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that led to some interesting conversations. It certainly did. There is a radio show host that runs a show called, he does a, a bunch of different shows, but one of the shows that he does, it's, it's all about 80s metal and hair metal and stuff like that. His name's Eddie Trunk. And I, I wound up running into him in the bathroom of a diner one night after coming out of a club from playing a gig, and I was three sheets to the wind, and he takes one look at me, and he wasn't exactly sure what was happening, because it was like three o'clock in the morning, and I was like, man, trust me, you've seen worse on the Sunset Strip. He's like, yeah, but it's New Jersey. <laughs> well, you know, not my best yeah, look. Yeah. Everyone has their moments. The good news is we're all humans, so usually people let you love it down eventually. Yeah, and thankfully it was a time before the internet was, like, really real. So, you know, if you can't find it on MySpace anymore, it doesn't exist. Yeah, thank goodness for that. Well, I was never on MySpace, but thank goodness for that. Yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned, like, you've worked with My Tie Happy Hour, but when we were talking, you mentioned a couple of other shows that you were a part of. Um, yes. The Vintage RPG and Casual Interactions and also Seltzer Squad. Yes, I am the co-host and the producer of the Vintage RPG podcast. I am the co-host and producer of Casual Interactions, and I produce Seltzer Squad, Staying Sober in the City. So three, I mean, all my shows are very different from... Yeah, sounds like it, but that's that's a fun way to do it. I mean, I've got this where I interview cool people about creating stuff, and I have my other one where I interview people, Dungeons and Dragons characters. So, oh, that's awesome. When you're creative, your brain goes in like 16 million different ways. Yeah, and you know what? It's a great way to kind of keep your brain engaged constantly and to you know have those moments where you're actually able to you know, as a podcaster yourself, you know that you have a finite amount of time to record it, to edit it, to put it out to the world, and then you're already on to the next one. Whereas, you know, coming from yep. the musical world, it's like you might sit there for months working on the song and trying to get the song just right. And then you have to 
put time in to go and record that song and then release that song and then tour on that song. So the amount of time it takes you to kind of cover one piece of art, I mean, it could be months, it could be a year, but with, with podcasting, you know, every week is a new adventure. Every week is something new, it's something different, and then you're already on to the next one because not many shows are evergreen. You know, there's not a lot of shows that you can just kind of go back and listen to anytime and be like, all right, this is something I'm going to watch over and over again or listen to over and over again. Yeah, that's that's true. I've encountered that sometimes. And even if it's something where it's like a fictional something, there's still, I've had times where I've encountered stories where like, it's a great story, but I don't know if I ever go back through it again. I think mostly just with uh, that game called Bioshock Infinite. Oh, yeah. Just because, well, first off, the ending of that game broke my brain and I had to watch three different half an hour long videos to figure out what just happened. Oh man, yeah, that's a lot of work. <laughs> but it's one of those, it's like all that build up in a dramatic reveal and like I've never got back and played it again, although I probably could just because it's a really pretty game and it's a lot of fun, but doesn't have that same impact when you know how it's go- how the story ends. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because you experience things for the first time only once. You know, I go back, I watch Star Wars all the time. I watch Big Trouble in Little China. I watch Hocus Pocus. And I enjoy love Hocus Pocus. Right? Oh, I love that movie so much. I own it. Oh yeah. How could you not? I just bought a couple of t shirts. Some cool indie t shirt designers will, you know, every so often do like a limited release like Hocus Pocus shirt. So I bought them for a couple of friends. It's a movie where you kind of find something new to it every time. However, you don't get to experience that whole first time experience more than once. And you can still go back and enjoy and enjoy it for different reasons where, you know, with podcasting, it's kind of like you're listening to it mostly in your car or maybe you're on a jog or maybe you're just got it playing in the background while you're cooking dinner. So it doesn't have that same effect. Yeah, especially with the more interview-style shows from what I've seen. But with stuff like D&D, you can definitely go back and re-listen to it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can imagine that there are people who, you know, will go with the big the big guns here, Critical Role. I'm sure that people will go back while they're in between seasons and go and re-listen to, you know, season one or something that came before it because there's... Good luck with that. Season one's like 160 episodes. Okay, maybe that was a poor example. However, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you figure it out. But it's maybe there and there's a high like, entertainment value. Yeah. I feel like that's more like with the Adventure Zone where that first campaign was exactly 69 episodes long. Yeah. And like so many things about that show. I'm like, I'm not, I'm pretty sure you didn't exactly plan this, but I also feel like you planned this from the beginning. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you think about the average season of television on network TV, average season of TV is like 22, 23 episodes. So when you look at a show like that, where it's 69 episodes, that's essentially like two, um, almost three seasons of TV. So that's pretty neat. Yep. Tell me a little bit more about your D&D podcast, though. So the Vintage RPG podcast is one of my favorite things in the world to do. Stu and I are near lifelong friends, and he has a vast knowledge of classic RPGs and new games. And, you know, he runs Vintage RPG, the Instagram. And that's what we spun the podcast out of because, you know, every day he posts blog, you know, essentially posts you know, pictures of old games, and then he kind of does a write-up about it on the Instagram. 
And we looked at it as there's so much more to tell, there's so much more to talk about, and there's so much more dimension we can add to it by doing a podcast about it. So my thing is, I didn't start playing D&D until I was 25. He's been playing D&D since he was like a little kid. And so there's so much that I don't know about, so much I want to experience, so much I want to learn. So he'll bring in an old module or something I haven't seen or maybe something I'm unfamiliar with. And my thing is a genuine reaction to, oh my God, that's so cool. Or, oh my God, that's so weird. Or like, wow, like a lot of late 90s or early 90s, you know, box art really did look like the romance novels my grandma used to read. Like, you know, <laughs> you get a different take on it that's than you That's actually would. accurate. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much so like you know you you replace like you know the cosair with fabio and it's it's on so <laughs> i i like it and i i like learning about it and it actually got me you know because i made a, a transition from being a, a touring musician and then going to work in corporate and you know waiting tables and doing all the different things and trying to find other hobbies and go into the bar so it's been great for me because you know, every Friday night we go play games. And that's like something I look forward to every week now is I go and I play new games or I play old games that I've never gotten to play before. And so, you know, it's kind of enriched my life in a lot of ways where the thing that I love the most, which is, you know, we'll call it Dungeons and Dragons. We'll just give it the blanket term. Dungeons and Dragons is the blue jeans. Everyone wears them. So you love the Dungeons and Dragons, (laughs) you know, no matter what game you play, D&D, Magic the Gathering, you know, Call of Cthulhu, um, name it you're playing it i want to know about it i want to play it because that's that's the fun part to me it all just kind of you know spreads its wings from there yeah because with a lot of those games especially the ones that are more focused have more of a role-playing element i feel like you can learn a lot about yourself and it's like stepping into characters and there's just this kind of very different depth to it that you don't get with other things and then there's also just with the community and interacting with other people Oh, I 100% agree. It's a lot agree. of fun. Yeah. I mean, I think I've learned a lot about myself through the D&D characters that I, I'd written up or I was trying to play because it's, you know, almost like a pro wrestling gimmick where you're going to take yourself and you're going to turn it up to 11 and just, just kind of see what shakes out. And granted, like my D&D guy can do a lot more than I can, like physically, like like chin-ups and push-ups <laughs> and like all the cardio that I'm not, you know, well known for. You know, it's a way of kind of expressing yourself and like taking chances and, you know, playing a version of yourself that maybe you're not comfortable with doing in your day-to-day life, or you're afraid like what people are going to say if you're like, Hey, I am this. And they're like, Oh, I don't know about that. But you know, you get to dip your toe in the water and try out a few things, see how it fits. I love it. That, that just reminds me of a conversation I had on Twitter a couple months ago where someone was like, what's one ability your character has that you would love to have in one of my friends had responded, I would love to be proficient with playing the guitar. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I have one character that she's really good at chess, and I don't know how to play chess. And then someone pointed out, like, we could have picked any of the earth-shattering magical abilities if he wanted to play guitar, and I wanted him to know how to play chess. And I was like, well, it would also be really, really fun to be able to um, just send out a wave of sound to get people to leave me alone. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be good, too. Also, Thunder Wave is a fantastic spell. It really is. Yeah, and I mean... And I've also had a lot of fun with Acid Splash. Yeah, oh, I love Acid Splash. I love the ideas of spells. I was, I've was i been looking into the Zweihander book lately, and I really like the way that they write 
their spells in the kind of things where, you know, you look at D&D in a way, and I'm not diminishing D&D spells in any way, but you look at them as, in many ways, very utilitarian, and they've kind of been around for a while. Like, you're, you're very used to it. A magic missile is a magic missile is a magic missile. But enjoying the Zweihander book, because there's a very distinct elegance that comes from the way that they write and they describe spells. So, you know, I'm trying to find a way to, you know, combine the best of both worlds, because Zweihander, it's... Uh, System agnostic, like you could play it with, like, you know, you you could play it that way, or you can take elements of it and you could port it into the games you want to play. So, you know, I'm trying to find that happy medium. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different campaigns that homebrew stuff. I'm actually in one where the world is homebrew. It's like our world, but it's been covered in this magical fog that's deadly and can drive you insane. And I've been talking to the guys taking over as DM, and apparently there's like a fight going on between the gods, and all this stuff is going on. And yeah, that's never good. Yeah, not particularly. Yeah, there's just a lot of fun things that come out of D&D, and you can build some really cool relationships with people through playing it, or listening to podcasts and talking to people about it. Yeah, I do appreciate a lot of the actual play podcasts. Like, I don't get to listen to enough of them simply because, you know, between... Pro- there's so many. There, well, there's so many. And it's hard to almost find the time to balance, you know, trying, trying to work, trying to produce four different podcasts. And also, like, I love the idea of the actual play podcast because these are people who are out there and they're grinding, they're playing the games, and they're they're showing you their flavor and their style and what they're bringing to role-playing games that said it makes me want to play D more like i want to be sitting at the table i want to be rolling the dice and so trying to find Shame. time yeah so trying to find time to so balance between shit. listening and playing is like it's tough yeah i i feel that i mostly listen in the car and that's actually why i recommend the adventure zone just because their campaigns are shorter also it's just fantastic when you listen to it and you get to the end let me know because i'm like i just i need to talk about it with people <laughs> Oh, definitely. I mean, people have been telling me about the adventure stone, the adventure zone for like a long time, and everyone who says it is like, "Hamblin, you would love this." So I've downloaded it, I subscribed to it. It's on my list. I got a couple other shows I got to listen to this week, but once I get done with that, I'm just gonna lose myself in the adventure zone. Yeah, just a heads up though. The first couple of episodes, you're don't spoil to figure it. Out how? No. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil a story, but they are the people playing are trying to figure out how D&D works. Oh, that's awesome. So, like, it, it's a bit of a slow start, yeah. just a heads up, but, like, it, it picks up after a couple of episodes, and then, oh, boy, does it get good. Oh, that's very cool. I, I think um, the DM, he apparently figured out the one of the big twists of the campaign halfway through the Crystal Kingdom arc, and... It's around then when stuff starts going down. Oh, wow. And it, oh, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally a lot of D&D. Track. It's it's always your own discovery <laughs> while it's happening, so. Exactly, and it's, it's a lot of fun creating those stories and creating that community. Oh, definitely. Also, I, I am kind of curious, where does the nickname Hambone come from? <laughs> you know, I will tell you that 
I don't know how family-friendly this podcast is, so if you want to know about the origin of the name Hambone, I definitely recommend you check out the episode of Casual Interactions uh, called Horse Tool, and I forget what the rest of the name is, but you'll, you'll find it, and it's there's various different stories and versions of this, depending on who you ask, but uh, yeah, it's a name that when someone calls you by a nickname, the worst thing you could absolutely do is turn around and look because then it's yours. It's like it's, the nickname has imprinted upon you. So needless to say, in the moment, I, my buddy said Hambone, and I turned and I looked, and that was it. And that was 20-ish years ago, and I've been Hambone you know, for half my life. That's always fun. Yep. And is that also where you got the name for Ham-Fisted Productions? Yeah. I did. Uh, my buddy. Which I absolutely love that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, when I was a kid, I, I and I still do. I, I love detective stories. I love, you know, that hard boiled, like Raymond Chandler style, like detective. And, you know, ham fisted is just kind of like you, you jump in there and you, you punch first and you ask questions later. So, you know, for me, when I started podcasting as making the transition from just doing Mai Tai Happy Hour to, launching other shows and kind of making my own production company. I watch a lot of pro wrestling and I was watching the vignettes and the trailers and the lead ups for what is now all elite wrestling's first pay-per-view, which was all in where they, they bet against the house that they could put 10,000 people in an arena, which was unheard of for an independent promotion. And so all these videos and these vignettes, it's just them constantly being like, we're betting on ourselves. You know, we believe we can do it. We're betting on ourselves. We're, we're going to do this. And the more and more I kept watching these videos about them being like, we we're betting on ourselves, you know, we're taking these chances. We're doing this. I was like, you know what? What the hell am I waiting for? I, I know I can do this. I know I could produce shows. I know I can do the things that I want to do. So I kind of just did it. I went and I bought a bunch of gear and I, you know, solicited different people that I knew to start up these shows. And then the next thing you know, like I'm elbow deep in edits. I'm constantly recording. I'm constantly putting out content. So it's ham fisted in that way that I just took a shot and I figured out how it all works later. And I'm still figuring it out, but you know, same. Yeah. You you just got to go for it. Yeah, although I have to admit, it does sound really nice to have a team of people. I know there's the whole pseudonym social thing, but here's a fun fact. Sure. Pseudonym social is entirely me. Wow. Okay. That I did not so, know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just me. I mean, I sort of create, like, I sort of, well, I was creating it, like, I had the name from, I was going to have something else I was going to do, but I decided not to do that, and when I decided to launch tales of adventure which is a D podcast i was like well now that i have two why don't i just kind of like put them under an umbrella of pseudonym social since i've got the wordpress already oh yeah and then if it turns into anything i could like make an llc or something and i could let other friends sort of use my name yeah you essentially made your own network yeah that's great. I mean, like I said, it's currently like just me, but I'm hopefully going to be doing something with friends eventually once I actually sit down and plan out the campaign. Oh, no, that's great. I mean, you know, that's you kind of have to get it started on your own and prove it on your own. Like, I mean, my happy hour is great because George really runs the show. Like, I, you know, I, I produce insofar as like, you know, we, we hash out ideas, we come up with content ideas together, but he's the one that kind of runs the board and takes care of everything, does all the uploading and whatever. So, 
you know, I have co-hosts, but in the end of the day, you know, I'm the one in the basement doing the edits and just, you know, putting everything together and getting everything rocking and rolling. So, you know, I completely understand and can relate to where you're coming from and good for you. That's an awesome thing that you just went for it. Yeah. I kind of figured like, eh, what's, what's the worst that could happen? I'm just going to like go for it. I've also had, had a lot of different job stuff fall through and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see if I can make my own thing and make it happen. I had actually almost given up on an incomplete guide to world domination when I put that thing on Twitter. I was like, I'll just see if I can drum up more interest. And I could. And if, like, I'm going to try to see if I could get this one weekly, too, which is going to be fun. But I've also, like, before you, I've, I had the, I had someone from The Walking Dead on the show. Oh, cool. So it's sort of I was like, well, I guess people still need these stories. Yeah. And you know what? You've got a great, I think, I mean, completely unsolicited, but I will tell you, I think you got a great attitude about it. And thank you. You know, if you have one show that's starting to take off and another show that's just kind of weighing you down a little bit, you know, you can put things on the back burner and you can make things a season. Like, I mean, Casual Interactions, there's only so many episodes that we can put out because Frank's on you know, constantly on tour and like Sean is constantly putting out comic books. And so it's, it's just hard to align all of our schedules. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to call it a season. And then when we get back on, we're going to get back on and you have the total power to do all that. And that's cool. Yeah. That, that's a fair point. I am curious though. Um, what's casual interactions about? So casual interactions is kind of a show about nothing. Eh, if that makes uh, sense. It is my friend Frank and Sean. We were in a band called Pensy Prep together back in the day. And the first nine episodes were kind of us rem- remembering all the things that happened while we were in the band together leading up to when Frank joined My Chemical Romance. And then we all went our separate ways. And then uh, episode 10 was Frank had just released an album called Barriers, so I interviewed the band for that. And then we were supposed to come back in the fall, but then my chem was going to get back together, unbeknownst to the entire world. So we just kind of had to call it a day until, you know, we all have the schedule to line up again. Like I was not expecting half of those things. And I'm just saying, like, you got some really cool friends. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I, I get that a lot. And it, they are very cool. My friends are very awesome. One thing I like to remind people of is that nobody is having more fun than you are. Like if you can be present and you can be in the moment with the people who are your friends and the relationships that you have, I guarantee you're always having the best time. Yeah, that that's really true. I have to sometimes I have to remind myself that and remind other people, but it's like just because you don't have friends that are like rich and famous doesn't mean you can't have an awesome life and you don't get to do cool things. Exactly. It's your time and your adventure and your fun is always going to be what you make of it. And if you go into things having FOMO for things that you're not going to do or not going to have or not going to be privy to, you're never going to truly get that fun experience that you're going to get from just being so present and like hanging at your friends, having a sweet time playing D&D or going to the movies or like if there are snacks involved, and I always hope there are snacks involved. And if there's snacks involved, enjoying those snacks the most because you know, you can't live anyone else's life. But your life and your time, what's happening right now, nothing cooler than that. Exactly. Plus, 
you know, the one thing that makes every D and D every D and D session the best D and D session ever is Oreos. Oh, you know that's right. Which oh, yeah. which favorite flavor kind of Oreo? Uh I usually like to go with just with the double stuff. Big fan of the double stuff. I yeah. will tell you, like you know, if you put a regular Oreo in front of me, you better not put two because if you put two, I'm gonna eat the whole whole darn box. Oreo has been crushing yep. it lately with these random weird flavors. Like I've had like a Snickerdoodle flavor. I had like a peanut butter one. I had a s'mores one. And in the end of the day, nothing will ever top the classic. However, I love Oreos. I just won't mess with the mystery ones because I'm afraid that like it'll never it's live. It's going to be the one. Yeah. The it's going to be the one flavor you don't like. Uh, yeah. Forget it. And I I, I, I don't know if the, the dice are going to roll in my favor when I do that. So I just, I steer clear, you know? Yeah. I have to say the like. So when they came out with the lemon ones, I wasn't sure. But if it, I like the lemon th- Oreo thin specifically for the lemon flavor. Because like th- those are tasty. Oh, yeah. But I will still, if you put a package of double stuff, um, I will eat the entire package. The only one that they've made that I've ever like really not liked is the one where it's like three quarters cream. Just because I'm like, whoa, whoa, you've gotten too far. Yeah, I mean, no half measures. You gotta, yeah, I'm just like, it's just, it's, 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 it's too much. It's too much. I can't do it. Yeah, no, you, you got, you got to get the good stuff. If, if, I, if I'm going to eat the Oreos, like I don't want Hydrox. I don't want any other like non name brand version. Like you can get away with a lot of like standard, like, oh, this is like the Kirkland version or whatever. Not when it comes to Oreos, regular Oreos or GTFO. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, how did, like, your, did you ever get, like, interesting reactions from family and friends when you became a musician or you started, or you got into podcasting? (laughs) Well. Uh, I feel like this is going to be a fun answer. (laughs) Well, when I was young, when I, I mean, I was younger, so I was maybe 16 when I had, like, my first, well, I was, like, 15 and a half, 16 when I had my first real band. And by the time I was, like, almost 17, you know, we were we were gigging. We were trying to get gigs. We were trying to play. Like we played the school dance. There was I'm in New Jersey, so there was like these awesome like Spanish clubs down in Newark that would like always like let young bands play and whatever. So my dad always loved music. He raised me on music, you know, classic rock radio, cousin Brucey, the whole nine. So he would love when the bands would come over because we, you know, you need a place to rehearse. Obviously, there's no room in my dad's garage because he's got a bunch of landscaping equipment in there. So in my bedroom mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, I'd covered the walls with my own homemade wallpaper that I got from the pages of Rolling Stone Spin Magazine that I literally like took scotch tape and I taped all throughout the room. Like I was wall to wall covered with, you know, rock and roll. And I had all my friends move their gear into my bedroom and I moved my furniture in my bedroom around just enough that like I had like the PA on top of the dresser. There was a drum set by the window. We had our amps. There was cables and stuff everywhere. I mean, like the first tetanus shot I think I ever got was from stepping on like a broken guitar string. But I made like a squirrel path that went from my bed to my door that eventually I'd move the bed right next to the door. So if I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I could ninja roll out of my bed and, you know, crawl to the bathroom without stepping on a symbol or something. So my dad and my mom were always very supportive about it. My mom was like, Johnny, you got to wear earplugs. And listen, folks, if you're hearing this and you're thinking about starting a band or your kids are starting a band or, you know, you're even going to a live concert, save your ears some trouble. Wear the earplugs from the word Jump Street. You're going to hear a lot better because I don't. 
I did college marching band, they would give us earplugs. And those were fantastic when we were all, like all 400 of us had to rehearse inside. Oh my gosh, yeah. So my dad used to drive us to the Spanish clubs and to the, the VFW halls and we'd play. And then once I got my driver's license, I was able to start driving the band around. You know, my parents wanted me to go to college. I gave the old college dropout try several times. School wasn't for me, and I, I think that there is such an intrinsic value to college and higher education. I also think that it's maybe not for everybody. So I kind of made my own way. I would join different bands. I'd go on tour. I'd try out different things, and you know, I kind of went where the action was and where the wind took me. And so when I got into podcasting, I got into podcasting when I was, you know, I mean, I'm 40 now, so I got into it when I was like 36-ish, and... You know, I was I was working, have a day job or whatever. So my parents were like, oh, that's awesome that you found something that you like to do where you can still be creative because they'd long accept the fact that I would be a creative for, the, you know, my entire life. So, you know, the podcasting yeah, wasn't a thing. Some people are just born like that. And it's just like, that's, it's just how your brain works. You're, it's, you just, you can't not. Yeah, I mean, I, I could not imagine a life that I would lead where I would just go and punch a clock every day and then just go home and be content with just being, you know, I I've learned how to be peaceful in my life. I've learned how to just be. And that said, I will never be content if I'm not being a creative person. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that like, and I feel like not everyone really understands that, especially if they're people like, don't see the world that way like the people that can go to see a movie and think hmm, that was a good movie instead of going to see a movie and coming out and like you know i have an idea for something yeah i mean and you know what that's cool too because yeah everyone, the world needs those people too the world needs everybody it's balance you know there's plenty of people out there who are just content to do such a thing where it's like oh, i'm just gonna go to a movie and it's like yeah i just i went to a movie it wasn't like the biggest deal and then you have like the next level of people who are like, I went to the movies and I saw like the Avengers, or I saw the new Star Wars and they're excited and they're jazzed about talking about it. You know, I think the downside to social media is that we do see a lot of ugliness uh, out there in the world with people. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just just showing it, just showing all the showing all the bad parts. And that said, I do appreciate the other side of it where it is bringing us together in a sense of connectivity where now people have become a lot more open about the things that they like and the things that they're into and excited to share those things with other people. So, you know, it ebbs, it flows. Yep, that it does, that it does. Also, with being a creative and being a storyteller, it's hard to not see the plot holes. Like, did you see, have you seen the movie Knives Out? Oh, absolutely. I loved it. Yeah, it was good, except um, he couldn't have killed her. Yeah, you know, one of the things... You, that, you noticed that pothole, right? Yeah, and there's some things that, especially when it comes to like a movie or something, there's some there's some plot holes that are just so big you could drive a U-Haul through it, right? And yeah, that one, they, they were trying to be clever, and I'm like, you broke it. They did break it. However, there was enough cool stuff going on around it that I just kind of was like, eh. I'll play through, and I'll enjoy it, and I'll see it again when it comes out on cable. Like, there is, I think, a thing with our society where people, you know, like, you know how to be critical. You're a storyteller. You know, you can see yeah. it, and you can still enjoy it. You know, I've run into a lot of people lately who 
go in with the intention of finding something wrong with it. And it kind of like takes the pleasure away from like going to the movies, which by and large, yo, that's fun. Going to the movies is awesome. Like it's something like you can do that's like, I'm going to lose myself for a couple hours and maybe there'll be popcorn or pretzel nugs, you know, whatever you're into. Popcorn with the bananas in them. You are living your best life. And, you know. I just thought M&M's. Where did all the dark chocolate M&M's go? Like, not this dark chocolate peanut nonsense. Where's just, like, the regular dark chocolate M&M's? You know what? I think they've gotten so far away from just, like, normal M&M flavors that, I mean, I haven't seen dark chocolate M&M's in a while. I mean, I've seen mint M&M's. I've seen, like, almond butter M&M's. I mean, I've seen, like, so many different flavors that, you know, when you see an actual bag of M&M's or even peanut M&M's, you're like, whew, what a treat. <laughs> the standard. Yeah. We've gotten really off topic. It's <laughs> totally okay. That's what, that's what the, I mean, that's what these are for. You edit, you have fun with it. You don't, you have fun with it anyway. Yeah, I, I might leave some of this in just because, like, it'll be, it's fun to have some stuff that's a little lighthearted. You did mention earlier how you got into podcasting, but you didn't really cover why. Like, what about podcasting made you stay? So, you know, that's a great question. And one of the things that happened to me when I was starting my business was, you know, George Bungalow was like, so if you're going to start a business, and you're going to have to charge people to do things, you know, you're going to burn out quick if you don't know what your why is. So he actually bought me this book called, you know, um, you know, your why or whatever. I forget the name of the title off the top Find of my your head. why. Find your why. Thank you. I knew you would know it. So I, I work in a bookstore. Well, there you go. I literally stare at that book most to, most days. It's definitely it's definitely a good read. And by the way, awesome job. That's a fun job to have. Sometimes. Yeah, it's it's every job, but at least you know you're surrounded by awesome books. My yeah. thing was my why is that I love stories, and I think that you know when I was growing up, my grandmother used to you know buy me comic books or like if she couldn't take me down to the corner store that day she would like make up a story about like superman or batman you know as a touring musician and getting to know people working in bars working in nightclubs restaurants you know interacting with different people from different walks of life like when you're you know halfway across the country in a town in a city you've never been to before you know you rely on the people telling you stories and kind of interacting with you to kind of keep you on your feet and keep you moving forward and I love the idea that no matter what race, creed, sexual orientation, side of the political fence you land on, you know, whether you're a Star Trek person or you're into Star Wars, the one thing that or you... Or both. Or both, which is cool. The one thing that unites us all is stories. It's the grand equalizer. Exactly. You know, you know, the reason why we know anything that's ever happened is from the oral tradition or if you know we were lucky things were written down in books or things were made into movies or tv shows and you know i thrive learning from other people and learning about the things that they love and the things that that you know get them gassed up and get them ready to go and also you know ultimately i'm trying to move over to a place where i could give other people a pedestal to talk from you know i could i could help elevate other people's voices because i think that's also important because as much as you can tell by listening to this podcast i am a chatty guy it's also good to give other people the outlet to tell their stories because the world gets better when we listen to each other and that's why i stuck with podcasting and so want to know something kind of ironic sure that's my exact reason too. Listen, if well, we were not close, with a touring I'm, I'm, musician, but. I'm high fiving you. I'm high fiving you from a distance over the internet. 
High five. Internet high five. Yay. Yeah. I, I'm just sitting here like listening like, we're going to be good friends. Because like, if you think about it, humans have been telling each other stories since before we had language. Yeah. It is like the single most human thing in the world. It's how we connect with others. It's how we give people hope, show people that things can be better. And why I created this podcast and why I named it An Incomplete Guide to World Domination is I wanted to inspire the people who want to create, who want to do something different, no matter what that looks like. Because that can look like all kinds of stuff. I mean, you could have a... Like, this is even for people who work that 9-to-5 office job, but they still, like, want to create things to, like, make the world better just because they're passionate about something. I wanted to show them that they're not alone and give them stories of other people who have done it and who are in the process of building it, who have already built it, to see that, like, it's possible you're not alone and also so, like, people can share their stories and give a chance to share their advice, like, looking back, like, so, like, obstacles, struggles that they've had. Yeah, it's important. And even more important than the telling of the stories is listening. And that's a thing I think a lot of people forget, you know, the best interviewers are the ones that just hang back and listen, you know, when you're constantly trying to put your own two cents in or trying to have your voice heard, you're not actually giving the person the platform and the opportunity to kind of tell their story. And you're not really listening and having your perspective shaped or not shaped. But you know, when you can sit there and you can hang back, you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to someone talk, you know, when you are constantly bombarded with words, it's often easy to forget that, you know, I need to just slow down and just listen to what those are, words are and then process what those words mean. So that's that's my thing yeah. with podcasting. I, I love I love telling stories. And I, I love even more hearing stories. I'm a collector of stories. I, You know, you'd hang out with me and I would tell you, like, something would come up. I have a story for everything because I've listened to so many people tell theirs. I have a near endless supply of anecdotes and tales I can tell at the drop of a hat. Same. Some of them are D and D. Well, a lot of them are D, tend to be D and D related or things like that. But yeah, same. All the best can, ones are. They really are, especially when you can say that you you saw a robot drop kick the devil through a door. I would pay to see that movie. <laughs> it, it was it was it was in our last session, and um, we also got to see half of the current pantheon see the birth of a new pantheon, and then that happened while we were prying star stones out of a plane's walking room. That's awesome. Sounds like your game is jumping. We very nearly all died. Yeah, but that's it, man. Any fight you can walk away from, as long as you're rolling dice and no one's actually hitting you in real life, because that would be absolutely terrible, is a good one. Yeah. I'm like, that that, that would be, because I've accidentally almost killed my um, boyfriend's character at a and d session when I was trying to hit a spider and I missed. Yeah, that's that's happened. We're not proud That's of it. That's the moment of, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, what 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 kind of, like, flower or chocolate bouquet do you buy someone when you accidentally kill their D&D character? You know, like, I feel like there's... Yeah. <laughs> like, well, also, <laughs> it would have been one hit with a with just an ordinary simtar, and he's a Goliath, so... Yeah. Thankfully, I rolled low enough that I was able to hit him, just turn the blade fast enough to just hit him with the flat. 
outside of the blade, so it's more of like I just kind of smacked them. Yeah, it was just, it was, you know, more of the, the slap and tickle variety versus the ouchie, ouchie, yeah. I'm dead variety. Yeah, that would have been bad. Oh, man. All right, so do you want to try to wrap this up and go home, or? Oh, uh, yeah, I was going to say, is there any other, like, piece of advice you would like to impart? Maybe something you wish someone had told you starting out or something you wish you could go back and tell yourself or anything like that? You know, the best advice I think anyone ever gave me in life was my Uncle Kim when I first started being a musician. He was like, listen, he's like, I know you're going to go out, you're going to have some beers with your friends, you're going to do what you're going to do. He's like, but do you want to be a serious musician? And I said, yes. He's like, then don't ever do drugs. And I was like, okay. He goes, no. He goes, don't do drugs. He's like, do you want to be taken seriously as a musician? I said, yes. He's like, do you want to be respected and have people like count on you to be able to go out and do you know anything that they need you to do and i was like yeah absolutely he said don't do drugs he's like i've watched too many people too many talented people go down bad paths and never come back from it he's like if you want to make a gig all the time and not have to worry about anything he's like just stay away from it and i never did drugs i never i never got into drugs because of that talk i was like 13 it was the best like possible advice he could have given and then you know, my other piece of advice is do the work, that there are absolutely no shortcuts in anything you want to do in life. Like, if it feels like it's too good to be true, it is. And yeah. you learn so much more on the journey than you will jump into the front of the line. So when it came to podcasting, you know, there's stuff that I'm still learning, and I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I'll give myself some credit here. Uh, with I'm pretty good with doing different things and setting things up and producing and whatever, I'm still learning. And, you know, if you're going to rush it and you're not going to put your all into it, it's not worth doing. You know, they say don't half-ass anything, whole-ass everything, because you will enrich yourself so much more by doing the work. And then you'll be able to teach other people how to do it, which is, you know, the real way to mastery is by being able to teach other people how to do it. So above all else, do the work. And have fun. That's what yeah. that's what I got. Yeah, that's a good point. Although, a thing to keep in mind with to do the work, it sort of counterbalances. It doesn't have to be perfect when you start. No, absolutely not. It just need it just needs to exist, and it just need, it needs to be a starting point. It's not going to get better if you don't start it. And that is a fantastic perspective. I will give you another Internet Five. Here we go. Yeah. You know that's that's it. You know. It's it ain't gonna be perfect. I would go back. I could look at albums that I, you know, recorded in my twenties and be like, oh, there's some stuff I could have done a little better, but I did it. And the fact is, I did it, and that's all that counts. I can go back and listen to, you know, even the pilot of the Vintage RPG podcast. I'm like, man, I could have made some of those edits a little better, but you know, I can't tell anyone how to feel. But I will highly recommend. You don't put yourself in that mindset. You put yourself in the mindset of like, all right, man, I did it. And now from here on out, I'm going to do even better. Yeah. Just have a good start and get better as you go. Very cool. An Incomplete Guide to World Domination is directed and produced by Brianna Toybert as part of Pseudonym Social, a creative podcast network. Music is by Patrick Chester of Chester Studios. You can find more of his work at chesterstudios.net. If you would like to help support our show, you can find us at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. You can also leave a review on iTunes to make our show easier to find for those who need it. 
For more information on the other shows produced by Pseudonym Social, please check out our website at pseudonymsocial.wordpress.com.